Have you ever wondered what goes on behind the scenes at your favorite theme parks? Well, you're about to find out. So pull the harness all the way over your shoulders till it reaches your lap. Keep arms and legs inside the train at all times. And hold on, because it's time for the Theme Park Legends Podcast with your host, Steve Honeycutt. What's up, theme park enthusiasts? It's time for another episode of Theme Park Legends, the show that takes you behind the magic of your favorite theme parks through the power of words and imagination. I'm your host, Steve Honeycutt. Now, as of the recording of this episode, it's been reported, sadly, by Universal Orlando and Hollywood that HHN is canceled for this year, and uh, this news is also received upon hearing that uh, some of the other haunts around here, uh, like the Queen Mary and uh, Knott's, is, uh, they are also canceled their haunts as well. And I know my Facebook feed exploded with people just being emotionally devastated that, you know, for the first time in X number of years that they weren't going to be able to work horror nights and they didn't know what they were going to do. But if I could offer some words of encouragement, just because... HHN is canceled doesn't mean that the holiday of Halloween is canceled. I mean, you could just stay home, watch some scary movies, eat a bunch of candy, uh, scare your roommates or family members, grab a Ouija board, conjure up some malevolent spirits. I mean, (laughs) that's what Halloween is all about. Uh, Not getting punched in the face by some drunk guy you're trying to scare. Although, I guess for some of us, that is what Halloween (laughs) has become. Uh, But anyway, the point of this is that if you're a scare actor and you want to talk about how you've been impacted by Halloween Horror Nights closing down for the year, or even just talk about uh, maybe the good times uh, you had working HHN or any haunt, please come in here and you'll receive a sympathetic ear from me, your old pal, Steve Honeycut, host of Theme Park Legends podcast. Oh, and of course, another great way to celebrate Halloween is to listen to some of our past episodes that feature scare actors. Uh, one particularly was the Jordan Cornwell uh, interview, where I even had scary music and stuff like that. And I hope to do that again this year, if there's a scare actor. Uh, but speaking of scare actors, we've got one, eh, sort of. This episode, it has it all. Hangovers, drumming on stilts, Disney underpaying, politics, and a grown man admitting to listening to Katy Perry while following his dreams. That grown man, he's Dirk Ellis. Performer, stuntman, drummer, mascot, you name it. It all started in Disney World in Florida, which then led to him being catapulted overseas. Now we've got a jam-packed episode, and I've already talked too much, so let's go to my interview with Dirk Ellis. Ladies and gentlemen, with me today is Dirk Ellis. Dirk, how's it going today? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Living that uh, lockdown life, as we previously discussed. COVID life. (laughs) That should be a new hashtag, uh, if it's not. But we're not here to talk about COVID. We're here to talk about your career slash life in theme parks. Do you remember the first theme park you worked at? I do. Um... 
as far as I know, because I got to think back a little ways, would be <laughs> Disney Disney World in 2005 uh-huh. is when I started with Disney World. Yes. And uh, what was the first thing that you did there? The first thing I did was at, in the character department uh, that I applied for. When they found out that I was six one, they they wanted to give me every bit of hours they had. I mean, I was working, you know, 60 hours average a week, but the very first character I got into and made my very first appearance in front of an audience was Goofy. Uh, What was your experience uh, with theme parks prior to you becoming a theme park worker? I had been uh, to Disney World, for example, um, five times prior as a guest. I believe uh, four times with my family and one time with my high school band. Are you a uh, a Florida guy? Florida, I personally love Florida. I love Florida. If I didn't live in LA, mm-hmm. I would either choose Las Vegas or Orlando, Florida. Those would be my two places I'd want to most live. I mean, were you born and raised there, or no? I moved there when I was twenty-three. Mm-hmm. I was born and I was technically twenty-two when I got out there, and I started the training program for the character department as I was turning 23 and I moved from uh, Tyler, Texas. Mm -hmm. I was born and raised in Texas, moved around a lot when I was a kid and then lived most of my young life in Tyler, Texas. So uh, what brought you to Florida? Was it specifically to work at Disney world? I was looking for a big change in my life at the Mm -hmm. time. Um, I had always had an inner desire when I lived in Texas to entertain people. I Mm -hmm. really loved entertainment, whether it was theater, whether it was drums, whether it was, acting or performing something silly or goofy. I loved entertainment and I was constantly looking through the yellow pages back when we used to use yellow pages <laughs> for, for entertainment jobs. And I even created my own entertainment show of drummers playing on trash cans as my own private gig. And I used to help, you know, me and my uh, business partner at the time, we were both in high school. We mm-hmm. used to book gigs all over, all over Texas uh, in this drum line. And, once everybody had kind of moved on and then I had moved on, I, I which is a different story completely, I uh, decided to go to Orlando, Florida. I had a, a, a small job offer kind of in like the home inspection business that was going to be maybe offered to me. But once I got out there, that fell through. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to Disney. You know, that's just (laughs) what I saw. So I went straight to Disney and I had a blast doing it. How did you find out about how to audition for Disney? Well, that's an interesting question because when I went to Orlando, Florida, I went, I I thought about working for Disney, but my goal, my first goal to work for Disney was to be one of the janitors. Okay. Well, aim high. Not, not janitor, but yeah, yeah, I know. Well, it sounds like I said janitor, but it's actually jamitor, J-A-M. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. Yes. So I wanted to become a janitor because they were the trash can drummers of Disney world. And that was what I used to do back in my hometown with my private drum line was a drum line on trash cans. So my goal was to walk up to the Disney and say, how do I become a janitor? You know, that's Mm kind of what I was, but I, I had a little bit of a detour at the time I was trying to find a job. And I had also had former prison guard experience in, in Texas. So I knew I could possibly get a security job as well. So I had also applied for a security job at universal studios which ultimately actually got me blacklisted from Universal Studios in Orlando. What? Oh, I want to hear <laughs> I, about this. Yes. So this is a true story. I, I, I applied to be a security guard for Universal Studios. 
I got the, I, I got accepted and they were going to move me into training. They had their first orientation and I was, I was getting paid and stuff. And at that same time, I had also gone to Disney world and said, could I be a character here? And when they found out I was six, one and I was young and energetic, oh, they loved me. They wanted to bring me on right away. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of following some advice from a relative that wasn't maybe the best advice in the world. Okay. He had advised me to say, well, dude, just go, just go to the uh, orientation and, and do that, get paid for that. And then uh, when you're done, just let them know you want to, you, you've decided it's not for you. Just, you know, quit. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, okay, all right, I'll do that. So I did that. And a year or two later, fast forward, I wanted to do Spider-Man for Universal and I applied and they said, oh yeah, you are on a blacklist. You're not allowed what? to work here. And I was like, why? They said, well, you already worked here before and you quit. And I go, I, I didn't work here. And they go, yeah, you were working as a security guard. I'm like, well, no, I went the orientation, but I had to become a security guard. And they said, yeah, but you also were on the clock. You got paid for that. And then you quit without notice, without anything. Ooh. I just called in and I said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to make it. That blacklisted me from Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida, wow. to where I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. I had tra- people, managers, trying to help me uh, get it expunged and everything, and it never happened. Um, <sighs> so I was, a, I was a Disney guy through and through. But I did get to work at Universal Studios just through third-party uh, entertainment companies sure. like Hard Drive Productions. I did work at Universal many, 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 many times, but I was being paid by a different company mm-hmm. as a still walker. Wow, man! Yeah. I see. I would have, you know, I probably would have taken your relative's advice as well. So <laughs> yes. don't beat yes. yourself up too much. But I man, who would have thought they would have been so... Uh, yeah, they were hardcore about it. Yeah, gosh. I mean, yeah. I don't, like, I could see that at Universal Hollywood because they've got the unions and everything. But True. it's just... Yeah. It's just Universal Orlando, and there's no union there. It's just... Yeah. I mean, those... Yeah, are, I was- I was 22 at the time. I needed uh-huh. money. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, did what I had to do. I mean, well, it sounds like you made the right decision and yeah. you I, found your way to Disney, but did they make you go through the auditions, the suit auditions? Uh, so, well, with Disney and after I found out, this is obviously after I found out, oh, the janitors, that's a completely different, you know, union and completely sure. different, you know, you, you're going to have to, it's the best just to get into the theme park and then you can audition all you want. So mm-hmm. I, I said, okay, I want to go to this audition. They, they do send you into an audition. I believe it's called a color coding uh, audition where you get a, 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 a color code is representation of how good of a dancer you are, how mm-hmm. good of a following instructions person you are. Go in the audition. They teach you like, I, I think it's like eight bars of dance. And then they have you improv a scene. And then they do the eight bars of dance again. You improv a scene again. And they just just to determine how good of a performer you are. Sure. And uh, I, I scored pretty well. I got the highest that uh, someone who's brand new probably could, could get, you know, I mean, so they, they, at first they had said, you know, okay, uh, you want full-time part-time? And I'm like, well, I'd like full-time. They go, well, we only have part-time. I said, okay. They said, <laughs> so I'm filling it out and they go, wait, how tall are you again? You're six one. I'm like, yeah. They're like, okay, that's really good. I said, why? I said, well, that's your, you're in the height of the, um, the famous five or whatever they're called. The, mm-hmm. the, the goofy, the Mickey, Minnie, Donald, uh, right. uh, all of them, you know? Yeah. And uh, they said, oh, we can give you full-time, definitely. I'm like, uh, all right, sounds good. And I went into training, and I was a week or two of training where they first put me in the costume, and that was the first one I trained with was Goofy. And uh, what did you think when you were offered this? Were you happy about it, or were you like, ah, oh, characters? 
And I think I was all I was all in. I was I was ready to put the clothes on of Goofy and the helmet or the the head and right. and get out there and just see what I could do with it. I really wanted to experiment because I was like, here I am working for the one of the biggest entertainment companies in the world. I'm playing one of the most famous characters in the world. What can I do with this? What can I really let me see how I can stretch my legs in this and really show people what I could do? And I know that's kind of sounds silly being just the goofy character, but mm-hmm. it gives you a chance to really, like I said, stretch your legs and see what you're capable of. Right. And I had such a good time, other than the fact that people don't realize this, but in Goofy, uh, you cannot see uh, straight. Mm-hmm. Um, when Goofy himself is looking at you, the, the, the person inside is actually, this is a little bit of a secret, but the person inside is actually looking down at your feet mm-hmm. uh, because the person inside sees through the mouth. So you have to right. learn how to do things blindly, sure. you know, shake hands, sign autographs, you know, it's it's a challenge, but I loved it. Yep, I've I've been there, brother, and I felt the yes, same way when I put on the Homer Simpson and Shrek yeah. costume for sure. Yep. And plus, it was just the um, the feeling of getting paid to entertain people, even though you can't talk and you're you know you're out there in the hot Florida sun sweating. I mean, it's right I, when you're in your early twenties, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it really doesn't. I would sweat so much through my blue gloves uh, mm-hmm. that, I mean, this is gross, but I would sweat through and, and sweat on their books that I was signing. <laughs> I felt horrible because it was so humid and hot there. I mean, it, I felt like I could drink at least a gallon of water a day and sure. just little Dixie cups. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was, uh, it, it, it's a struggle and it's just something you kind of have to build your endurance to. And eventually you just kind of don't even think about it anymore. So what was your, first day like after training like out in the park as goofy like do you remember i i remember i can't remember exactly my first day i remember my first day of training because i remember my very first set when they took us out this little sweet girl came up couldn't have been older than i don't know four or five years old Mm -hmm. and she i knelt down with her and i'm 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 having this you know interaction with her and she asked me goofy where's the park (laughs) <laughs> and it was my first question where I didn't know what to animate. Right. And, and, and I'm like, does she mean the water park? Does she mean magic kingdom? Cause we were doing this at Epcot at the time. Yeah. And I just kind of pointed to the right and pointed to the left and shook my head. No. And like, I don't know, you know, and I just didn't know what to do, but it worked. Mm-hmm. And I do remember my first stint of one character was blue. The first year I worked there, like the first six months I worked there, they put me in blue. Uh, they kind of put me into what's called a bid where you're scheduled to be in that character for a while and i did blue and i got good with it and i i just my goal was to go out and entertain everybody even if you were in line walking by i wanted to make everyone laugh sure that's what uh being a good mascot is all about i pretty that's what i believe the the theory is yes (laughs) (laughs) so you're uh, making your way through the mascots um as you are are you keeping an eye towards other possible roles that you could do in the park. You pretty much nailed it. That's what I, I went into Disney either wanting to, at first I wanted to be a janitor, one of the drummers. And eventually I set my sights on Indiana Jones and I knew for the Indiana Jones stunt show, I wanted to play Indy. And uh, I knew that if I just kind of play my cards right and just work real hard and get really good at the basics, Mm -hmm. I can then start networking and work my way into other departments or other entertainment positions and and try to succeed in those. Mm -hmm. Uh, So was this the beginning of your like stunt training, wanting to be Indiana Jones? 
Yeah, actually, uh, it kind of was. Um, I remember that I had been, uh, after a little while, I got, I got after about a year right there, I, I got cast, or less than a year, I got cast to be in Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at an audition in the, the, for color coding to try to get uh, something, I don't know what it was, and they had noticed on my special skills on my application or my paperwork that I had listed I had done kickboxing. And I had done some martial arts like Taekwondo and stuff like that. And, and um, they saw my, my height and my build, which, you know, wasn't anything great, but I was, I was at least athletic enough to look like a Power Ranger. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they wanted to audition me, and I got it. And I did Power Rangers for two and a half years, but only about maybe a couple of months after doing Power Rangers, our break room for the Power Rangers and a lot of other characters, which was in... MGM Studios, which is now called Hollywood Studios, was right next to the break room for the Indiana Jones crew in their Ah. stunt show. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of waited for the right opportunity, and I ran into this guy that I saw him work there, and his name was Jeff Robinson, and I said... Uh, sir, are you uh, are you in Indiana Jones? And he kind of giggled and he said, "Well, I, I used to be. I do it every once in a while. Now I'm kind of a manager or something. I don't remember what his position was, but uh-huh. I said I just looked at him and, I, and he's like, "Can I help you?" And I go, "How do I, how do I get into the show? Mm-hmm. How do I become Indiana Jones?" And he kind of smiled. He said, "Well, come with me." And he he brought me over to a table and sat down. And he said, "What kind of uh, experience do you have? You know, with stunt work or?" And I I listed very little of what I what I knew. I mean, I really didn't know much of anything. And I just told him my physical abilities of what maybe sports I had done or, or competed in. And he said that he appreciated, he respected the fact that I had come up to him just to ask him and find out this question, get to the bottom of it. And he had suggested start going to gymnastics, uh, gymnastics uh, gyms, start practicing your dive rolls, you know, all the basics. And that's where I started. I mean, I was already a Power Ranger doing martial arts every day. But then I was now trying to get into actual physical flying type stunt moves so I could be considered for this role in the show. And that's kind of how the stunt, you're right, that's kind of how the stunt career, I'm I'm an actor who can do stunts, even though I've probably done more stunts than acting, but that's where that that, uh, venue of stunts in my life started was was with Disney. Cool. Uh, So back to um, Power Rangers. How was that compared to being a mascot? Was there a bump in pay? Was it a lot less heat? Was it more heat? You're asking some good questions. So <laughs> yes, that there is some controversy behind that. Uh, the Power Rangers, the at least the first two and a half years, I think we had Power Rangers. Uh, this was something that didn't really make us very happy. Disney was not paying us a premium. Wow. Um, and at the time, the premium for the face characters had just gone up to $2.75 more per hour for them. Mm-hmm. We as Power Rangers were very physically trained for this very often. We were uh, very often... Um, evaluated for our moves, for our body shape. Sure. We were, you know, this was heavily evaluated because I guess Disney was under very strict rules from the Power Rangers and that fell on us. And it didn't matter if it was boiling hot outside, if you had shin splints, if you were having it, we had to go out and do it. Now there was a lot of, you know, we, we complained a lot. We, we went to go see doctors a lot for, mm-hmm. for knee problems and ankle problems and shoulder problems the moves were just so strenuous on us, but we were having to do them every single day. Right. I mean, I calculated that I, I estimated that I probably, 
you know, signed at least 500 autographs a day, mm -hmm. but that's one autograph times however many poses they wanted me to do for that photo. And then sure. popping into it, popping out, I tore my meniscus to do it. I, oh, I, I tore, goodness. I blew out my knee and so did my roommate at the time, same knee, uh, same, same power ranger, uh, everything. So it, it, it's, it was strenuous on us. So we started complaining to Disney about, we even had meetings with the managers saying, this is not right. We feel like we should, uh, get a little bit more for this training, for the strenuous stress we're putting on ourselves. Sure. And, uh, and they didn't consider us the face character round because we weren't talking. Obviously our faces weren't showing. We weren't allowed to talk either. So wow. we were silent. We were silent power rangers. Uh -huh. And eventually, finally, after complaining so much, they, um, they they gave us fifty cents an hour, and I wasn't too happy about it. I was just like, yeah, you know, shove that. God, you know, I, that's crumbs. Yeah, that's, it was. Oh, and I had some. I, I I had a little bit of discussion with with a, a a gentleman high up in Disney Entertainment realm, and he had. We were complaining to him. We we're like, it's really hot out there, and uh, I mean, it's it was it was around a hundred, I think, uh, maybe even more, and. Um, we said, can we have an awning built? Can we be repositioned to some... Because we had spots we had to stand out in the sun that were assigned to us. We couldn't move. And we said, you know, he, he, he kind of got on to us. He said, you know, guys, if you're going to complain, you can go do Tigger in the sun. Wow. And, and I said, yeah, but, but they have Tigger stand in the shade at least. <laughs> we're, we, we're standing in the sun. And he goes, well, guys, I don't know what to tell you. Power Rangers don't stand in the sun. And that's when I, I was like, but we're not power rangers right we're right. people in costumes the power rangers on the show aren't really power rangers they take their helmets off between takes and they rest and they get and so there was a big controversy behind that but i, I still had a blast doing it don't get mm -hmm. me wrong i i wouldn't give it up for the world i loved it though i would like to have not torn up my knee because it you know it's going to affect me the rest of my life now did they uh cover your injuries Yes, luckily I, that was all covered. I I was able to report that in time. I had a, my knee was popping very severely for a solid month when I was doing certain moves, and uh, I had reported it. And then finally they sent me to the doctor, and yeah, doc said you tore your meniscus. You're gonna have to have surgery. Absolutely. So they luckily they covered it all. Yeah. Whew. Wow. Yes, I got lucky. I got, yeah. but not ever, but not everyone did. Uh, my roommate that I told you about, he actually had to end up suing Disney. Wow, just to get his injuries covered. Yes, he well, he got I think he got his injuries covered, but he also had a case because he had requested so many times not to do Power Rangers mm -hmm. that he actually wanted to do he was also a, a puppeteer in The Voyage of the Little Mermaid and he actually made more money doing that than Power Rangers. Mm -hmm. So he kept on requesting to move himself out of Power Rangers into Voyage of Little Mermaid and they wouldn't do it for months and then he tore, tore his meniscus. So wow. he had a lawsuit on his hands. He ended up suing and he won. Um, well, that's but good. That, yeah, but he had to go find a job somewhere else unfortunately after that. I bet. That's yeah. usually because in other episodes of other people have talked about their lawsuits and that's usually what happens. Unfortunately, yeah. yes, yes. So you've been doing Power Rangers. Uh, what was after that? I got the character that I had been wanting forever. It was very, very difficult to get. Uh, only less than a handful of guys have done it in Disney World's history that I know of, and that was Tarzan. Oh, nice. Yes, and I, this is uh, Tarzan as a character in the park or in a show. 
No, this was the one that was the meet and greet Tarzan. Okay. It was the meet and greet Tarzan that I had auditioned for it. The first time I auditioned for it, um, I did not get it, mm-hmm. but it was not a good audition. I did not animate very well. I did not feel good that day. And the reason why is because just three weeks prior, I think I had severely broke my toe. I dropped a tire rim on my toe. Um, yeah. And it almost cut my toe off. I thought you were going to tell me you tore your meniscus being a power ranger. (laughs) You know, you would think those are connected. I was actually better by then. I was doing really well well at that point. Good. Yeah. (laughs) And, and then I had this accident where I dropped the, the rim and, um, that, put me out for a while and then i had this audition as tarzan with a giant broken toe so i mm. i i couldn't really animate or be tarzan and i didn't get it and then i read i was able to talk disney into letting me re-audition about i don't know a year later or so maybe two years and i got it and nice. i was very happy about that because that was a character i always wanted uh, i mean is it just because you like tarzan or was there more money or you didn't have to wear a costume why did you want tarzan so bad <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's a that, kind of all three. Um, mm-hmm. I like the fact that I liked getting characters that were physically fit because then it inspired me even more as if I needed more inspiration, but it inspired me even more to go to the gym and just work out harder, train harder. Uh, the, the costume. Yeah, you're right. It's a loincloth, um, a wig, maybe a strap that holds a spear and a pair of sandals. It's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. So it was really comfortable. So it's extremely comfortable in, in Florida to wear just that much as a character um and then i loved i loved the story of tarzan i loved the way tarzan looked Mm -hmm. um and it was a rare character you wouldn't ever see it in disney world unless it was maybe halloween or a special event going on so it was a hard character to get yeah yeah it was a hard character to get so i really really wanted it and um after i got that i then got Darth Maul. That was my next uh, big achievement within Disney World was getting Darth Maul because that was just like Tarzan. It was a rare character to get. It was hard to get. It only came out for special events. Yeah, villains are always hard to come by in both parks, Universal and Disney. Um, Okay. I find like Doctor Doom was always hard to track down in Islands of Adventure. Um, Back when he was there. For Darth Maul, uh, did you have to do some sort of like a bow staff audition or something? Or was it just since it's only meet and greet, you don't have to like whip out any double bladed lightsaber or anything. Well, so I auditioned for it and they did like a makeup test on me mm-hmm. and they took pictures of me and they, they, for my training, they took me out to do a meet and greet, do meet and greets with the kids. And you're right. The bow staff was just a hilt. It was uh, just a hilt strapped to my, so I didn't have the staff at the time, but this was only for training. So we got done with the training and then suddenly Star Wars weekends comes around. I'm invited to the rehearsal. And then, uh, uh, the gentleman that's in charge of the Star Wars weekends, he comes up to me, Mark Renfro, he comes up to me and he says, uh, so we have, um, we're going to have you doing Jedi training Academy. Mm -hmm. So they were going to have me, uh, as the Darth Maul in the show, Jedi training Academy that trains young guests, how to, you know, throw the lightsaber around and then they bring out Darth Maul and Darth Vader to test the kids' skills. Ah. And it's a very big dramatic uh scene with lots of, you know, smoke and music and everything and it's very popular. And that meet and greet that I had done in train was the only meet and greet I ever did as Darth Maul. The rest the next three years I was only on Jedi Training Academy. Ah. I was only in the show. So I had to 
when I found this out, I went home and cut up some sticks and some pipes and I trained, trained, trained on how to do bow staff, which I kind of, kind of already knew from being a child. My favorite Ninja Turtle was Donatello. Hmm. So I was constantly spinning sticks around. And my dad was also a drum major in band. So he knew how to do a lot of stick flips and all Ah. kinds of stuff. Then when I got into training, they had uh, Jim Sharon, which Jim is a uh, stunt guy for Indiana Jones. He's one of the, for for the show, he was my trainer that taught me how to do both staff, you know, on a proper level. And the rest is history. I became their Darth Maul for the Star Wars weekends and for any special events that they use, Jedi Training Academy. And that they would, like, after I had left Disney, they were still calling me on occasion to come back and do Darth Maul. So it was a very nice, cool position to be in. And was like that, like, your, was Darth Maul the last character that you, you know, ticked off the belt? Or did you have some more after that? That's that's correct. Within Disney World, that was kind of, those were kind of like, I, I kind of always wanted to be one of the princes, mm-hmm. you know, but I didn't really fit into a lot of the character molds for, you know, I mean, there's not a whole lot of princes with blonde hair and blue eyes, except for, I think, maybe Prince Philip or something or whatever his name is so there wasn't a whole lot of arena for me to be a face character so this darth maul and tarzan were the unique characters that i was fortunate enough to be cast in you know nice yeah nice and 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 power rangers those are the three ones i'm known for i've also done goofy baloo brer bear mr incredible which was a fun character to do um, I think I counted, it was about 12 or 13 different characters I did. How did it end for you at Disney World? I worked for Disney for five years completely. Disney wow. World in Orlando. Disney World in Orlando, mind you, mm-hmm. for five years. But only two and a half of those years were full-time. The other two and a half years were uh, were, were seasonal. Okay. And the reason was for this is because I had a job offer. I think I was literally in the Star Wars weekends rehearsals when I, when I got a call from Hard Drive Productions. And they said they were putting together a show that was going to have drummers on stilts. Mm-hmm. And this had never been done before that I knew of, and they knew I was a drummer from past life in Texas, and they knew I was also a, a, a decently accomplished stilt walker at that time. I was getting gigs left and right for stilt walking while I was working for Disney. So they decided to put together this show, and it became a, a great success, and it got me out of Disney World theme park full time, and I was making more money as a musician entertaining people at uh the our first venue was was sea world sea world gave us a contract ah, okay um what the funny thing was is the contract was in san antonio oh. so i had to leave orlando florida for a little bit go to san antonio and and i lived there for about three and a half months came back and then the company that had set up the drum lines was was pitching out for us to get more gigs mm-hmm. at the same time i went back to disney and i was working seasonal still doing power rangers occasionally still doing tarzan and darth maul right and and but that was the start of kind of my initial kind of notice or breakup with disney was when i pulled away from then so then two and a half years later i've been doing the stilt drumming show and working with disney and that's when hong kong disneyland called me and offered me my next role all right, before we get to that, I have some questions about uh, your uh, stilt walking. Uh, yes. When did you acquire that skill? I was I was working at Animal Kingdom, and I'd only been working with Disney for two weeks, I think, at the time. And I saw a flyer on the wall that said, Disney Entertainment, want to learn how to stilt walk? Come to this workshop, and we'll teach you how. And you can be trained to do shows like Lion Festival of Lion King and parades and all this other stuff. 
And I got to look, I'm like, oh, this is cool. When is this? And I realized it was in like an hour. Oh. Like it was like, yeah. So I, I hopped on animal kingdom is so big that they actually give the employees free bicycles backstage to oh, ride on. Nice. So if you, yeah, the parking lot and the employee clock in area is like at least a 15 minute, 20 minute walk. It's very far. Mm-hmm. So they give us bicycles. I took off on the bicycle and I must've grabbed the wrong one because the chain came off and I went flying forward and I hit <laughs> <laughs> I hit the ground on the concrete and I scraped up all my knees and elbows and everything. And, um, I don't mean to laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny when you think about it. And sure. it's funny because it, well, I wasn't the only person that that happened to somebody else had gotten the same bike and okay. also had another accident. So I, after the paramedics that they called, uh, patched me up and everything, I left quickly and I still went to the, uh, the, the stilt workshop mm-hmm. and, um, they, uh, they trained me how to walk on stilts and I had, I figured out how to walk on stilts within 20, 30 minutes on my own. No problem. And I was walking. There were some people that had been in this class like eight times and still didn't know how to stilt walk. So I don't know if I just had balance or what, but it just came to me easily. So I continued stilt walking. And then when I met these guys with hard drive, I, I wasn't still walking with, with Disney though, because mm-hmm. I didn't think they paid enough for their stilt walkers. Sure. When I saw these guys with hard drive productions and I found out how much they made, I just went to hard drive and I brought in a resume that I just kind of typed up mm-hmm. and I handed them the resume and they said, so what's your still walking experience? I said, Oh, I was trained by Disney. They go, <laughs> oh, All right. That sounds good. It's funny. Um, you know, pe- you just say the word Disney, people automatically think uh, quality, but we know that they usually pay pretty low. Yeah. It's not a job that I would stay with personally for a while because it's it's like i don't know it's i i mean not that i'm comparing disney to mcdonald's but mcdonald's is the number one fast food chain and right. you don't want to be a fry cook the rest of your life if you want to have a, a career in the fast food restaurant industry you're going to want to move up and sure. same with disney i wouldn't want to do characters forever because i just would not feel that i would have any i'd be too limited uh right. pay wise character wise well like that's, wise, everything. i mean that's the you know the question I guess for all of us performers is like what's after the performing in regards to like theme parks. And the answer is like, what stage manager or right. if you're really right. lucky, somehow you can slime your way into being a creative director. I mean, that wouldn't be too bad, but stage manager, yes. uh, no, thank you. Yeah, um, I know. So you got offered something in Hong Kong, Disney. Tell me how that came about. Yeah, I had gone one or two times in the past. Every time there was like a, an audition that was overseas for an overseas theme park. And if I qualified, I would go to it. Even if I didn't think I could make it, I would go in there and just try just to get a feel for the audition and meet the casting director and, and blah, blah, blah. So I, uh, I had gone to this audition once or twice in the past and didn't get it. Um, in fact, I think I was even rejected the door one time <laughs> believe oh. it or not well there was only only three people showed up wow. only three people showed up the audition and then rush jordan who was the casting director at the time for hong kong he's passed away since i think he passed away in 2011 or 2012 he sent the other two guys home and looked at me and said what do you have experience with in tumbling i'm like ah, i can do dive rolls i can do handstands i couldn't do enough at the time and he didn't see so he sent me home he said please come back 
So a couple of years later, I'm in the drum line, the stilt drum line, and uh, my my sub bass drummer says, hey, are you going to go to that Tarzan audition? I was like, I don't know if I'm going to go. I'm not going to make it. He's like, dude, go to it. Go to it. And I knew why he wanted me to go to it. He wanted me to go to it mm-hmm. so he could cover for me that day and make money. So <laughs> so he was he was the guy that filled in for me whenever I had to, whenever I couldn't work, pretty much. He was my sub, my sub uh, drummer. Sure. And I was like, all right, I'll go. So mm-hmm. I went and I think there was about, it was at least 20 people, 25, maybe even 30 guys that auditioned. I, I, mm-hmm. I did what little tumbling I could do. They brought us over to the pull-up bar. We did all 10 pull-ups. They brought us to the rope. We had to climb the rope with no feet, no legs. The legs had to be out split. Like, and then you wow. had to climb the rope all the way up and then all the way down to using just your arms. Um, luckily I already knew about this. So wow. I had already practiced in the, in the gymnastics gym. So I had already built up my strength and technique for that. Nice. Then they took us to the rings. We had to do some maneuvers on the rings, which I wasn't very familiar with. And they brought us into the, they took us and they, uh, taught us a dance choreography, fight choreography. We had to talk. It was a long audition, but in the end, six guys made it to the very end of the audition. Uh, and then two got the position and I, a month later was coming home. It was about eight o'clock at night. I got a call from a number that didn't look anything like I'd recognized. Um, it had like a plus sign in it. And it, I was right. like, what? <laughs> I was like, what, who is this? Sure. <laughs> and I said, hello. And, and the guy on the other end was like, Dirk, this is uh, Russ Jordan with Hong Kong Disneyland. How are you doing tonight? And I was like, uh, 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 yeah. Hi. Hello. Hi. How are you doing, sir? What's going on tonight? And he said, he started telling me about the show that they have in Disneyland. And they said they have a scene with Tarzan. They want me to play Tarzan. And it was, uh, it was an amazing feeling because I finally felt like I had accomplished and I'd set out for a major goal within my start of my entertainment career. And I finally got it. So now I was being offered to go to Hong Kong and do a contract as Tarzan on their stage show. Yep. I, I know the feeling, man. That's, uh, it's like winning the lottery or something. It really is. Cause I mean, when I first got to universal, I'd never, I mean, the Orlando, theme park perform world I was just completely unfamiliar with and people are talking about these foreign contracts yes. and stuff yes. and and I had always wanted to explore the world anyway I thought it was going to be through music and bands and sure. stuff but that never really worked out so when I started hearing about stuff like that I was like that's for me yeah. and then when I finally got my chance yeah it was like whew, it was a whirlwind of adventure yes, um, yes it always is so yeah, so obviously you had no qualms about packing up and uh, moving overseas. Then. No, I um, I was so excited, and I I mean I didn't I don't think I thought twice about it. I was like, I'm going to Hong Kong. This is insane. This is an opportunity mm-hmm. to get me out of the United States and experience another country, experience another, immerse yeah. myself in another country that sure. with 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 no knowledge of what I'm getting into as far as like you know, the amazing experiences that I will probably have. And, right. And on top of that, like, I'm going to be paid quite a bit to do this (laughs) and not only get paid quite a bit to do this, it's all going to be paid for. So Mm -hmm. my apartment stay, my, my per diem for food, my travel to and from work, uh, cell phone per diem, all of that was covered by Disney. So I'm freaking living the dream here and I'm going to be performing playing Tarzan in the scene in, in the, on the stage show doing this big stunt on a, what's a Spanish web. Oh my gosh, this sounds awesome. I want to do this. So yeah, it was no, I had no qualms with that. Absolutely not. 
Great. So you said your, I guess, temporary goodbyes. I mean, as far as jumping from Disney Park to Disney Park, uh, were they just like, you know, okay, you go over there and we'll just give your your parts to someone else for now and then maybe you can come back later. My friends and family were all very happy for me and and they were sad to see me go, but I had already left sure. once to go to San Antonio for 3 months. They it was this they were kind of familiar with me having to leave for other things and and right. and um with Disney was was no brainer. I'm going to Disney, you can't have a problem with this. I'm going to Disneyland, you know. I mean, I just I just literally had to tell them I have to put in my notice for uh no seasonal work now. I'm 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 having to quit because I have to go over to your 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 brother land, your sister land over here at Disneyland in Hong Kong and play Tarzan. They were all excited to see me go, but or happy to see me go. But I did talk to my manager at Hard Drive Productions. I sat down with him because my drumming, stilt drumming job, I held on to that like I mean, that was my baby right there. I mean, I was a paid musician on stilts playing drums for SeaWorld five shows a day, and I was getting a lot of good money for them. I, I, I didn't want to leave it, or I didn't want them to think that I was deserting them. And I, I certainly wanted a place back whenever I came back, if I came back, you know, because I knew this wasn't going to last forever. Right. So I sat down, I sure. talked to my manager, I said, will I still have a, a place if I've been offered this role to go over there? Will I still have a place when I come back? And he said, Dirk, you'll always have a position with, with hard drive productions. That's 100% without a doubt. I can't guarantee you'll get the exact spot you had before. But, I mean, from what I remember how the conversation went, he was very encouraging for me to go do this. So it was kind of a no-brainer. I mean, I just, yeah. And, and I had about four months to prepare, I believe. Basically, I guess the question is, once this contract is over... Are you going to be able to just resume your duties at Disney World or were you just done cold turkey bandaid off? You know, I think what my plan was actually, I do remember now, my plan was to come back and do Indiana Jones. I still had Indiana Jones on my mind. Uh, In fact, literally like three weeks before I left for Hong Kong, I still went to an Indiana Jones audition for Orlando. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I still went back because I knew that my contract was only going to be seven months in Hong Kong if it didn't get extended to a year contract, which most Tarzans did get, almost all of them, I think, and right. pretty much all of them got. So I wasn't sure what was going to happen. So I still wanted them to keep, I wanted them to keep me in mind. It's like, look, I want to audition for this. How'd you like it? You like it? Good. Well, I got to go do this first. But when I come back, now you've seen what I can do. How about we get something wrong? Right. So I went to the Indiana Jones audition and they pulled me out of the line like, right away like when we started it with all 30 guys lined up they lied they pulled me out and they brought me over and they said dirk so uh we heard you got uh tarzan in hong kong and i said i, I did thank you very much and they said wow that's great congratulations when do you when do you uh leave i'm like well i'm scheduled to leave in two or three weeks they go okay well that's a really really good one for you um go do that get that out of the way get some good experience come back when you come back we'll take we'll we'll see what we can do we'll see if we can take a look at you for for indiana jones so Boom. I got it. I mean, I mean, I, I got at least a foot in the door. So I was like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I wanted. And I don't even have to audition. I got sent home after that. I didn't even have to go through all the, the, the other, you know, stressful stuff. So I, I did, I left for Hong Kong at that point and didn't know what or where I was going to end up. You arrive in Hong Kong, this uh, foreign land where you never, mm-hmm. you've never been mm-hmm. before. And just take it from there. Once you stepped off the plane, what happened? I was like, a, I don't know, like Alice in Wonderland or a kid in a candy store. One of the two. I was just like. <laughs> little of both. Yeah, a little of both. I think I was just kind of, I kind of had an inner 
inner happiness in me that had never I'd never felt before. I mean, mm-hmm. I felt it leaving Texas and going to Florida, uh, sure. making that drive. But whenever it, but I, it, it was just excitement. This one felt more like accomplishment. I was now, yeah. I think it's like a mix of the call of adventure and accomplishment mixed together. Yes. Like, and it's a feeling that just is very hard to replicate. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful feeling that is, you're right. It's very hard to describe to somebody what it's like, because when people think about what it's like, they only think about that moment. They don't think about the journey, the hard journey it took to get to that moment. How many times you had to audition for that part, how much weight you had to cut, how strong you had to get, how much you had to learn the character, everything. It's, you're seeing the tip of the iceberg when you get the accomplishment. It's just, a, right. you know, so when I got there, uh, I do this thing where like I, when I get to a new country, I, I it's kind of silly, but I, when I get there and I go out for, I always like kind of take a night walk by myself and I, I will find like a patch of ground and I'll just, I'll just touch it. I'll be like, I am now touching Hong Kong. It's official. <laughs> I am touching nice. what to me is like a foreign world. You know, I am touching the ground of a of the other side of the planet that I was on just a few days ago. This nice. is incredible. And I I've, I've done that, <laughs> you know, that's just kind of a it's just kind of a feeling of like good job. Okay, let's get to sure. let's get to work. And yes. that's that's what it was like. That's when I and 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 you know, I, I don't know. I'm just open, wide-eyed, looking at everything and smiling and just happy. I'm just very, very happy. So, were you uh, like immediately ushered to your quarters? I believe so. I believe I was. Yeah. I believe I was. I mean, Disney took very good care of me and and told me where to go and and who to talk to. And this guy's going to pick you up. They're going to take you here. And oh, I remember I was taken directly to um, a hotel at. Disney, and I can't remember what the name of the hotel was called, but it's a nice, fancy hotel. And uh, I think I'm sitting in the lobby, and this—I think one of this girl just walks up, and and she's a she's a Westerner. She's got mm-hmm. blonde hair, and and she goes, "Hi, are you?" Uh, I think I, I think it might have been my friend Ashley. She goes, "Hi, are you Dirk?" And I go, "Yes, hi." And she goes, "Hi, I'm Ashley. I'm one of the the new." Uh, the new employees and the new people that got the job. And I'm like, Oh great. And about two more came up, two more. And it was like six people there sitting and we were all the main, the new group for Disneyland in Hong Kong. And nice. it was a really good feeling because we instantly all clicked. Um, sure. That is one thing I had to hand it to Disney was they were very good with casting uh, genuine people, genuine, oh. hardworking, super talented, super sweet and nice people. So the opposite of people who work in management? Uh, sometimes, yes. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Oh, I'm just half kidding. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's it's always interesting when you go there and meet your uh, your fellow coworkers, yeah. like because you're all all in it together at yeah. that point. So, do you remember your first time per- performing in front of a Hong Kong audience? Yeah, I was really scared too. I was nervous. Um, but the good news was, is I had been in training for two weeks prior to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of choreography, especially for someone who doesn't call themselves a dancer. I've, I've, I've done lots of dance for someone who's not a dancer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I took lots of dance classes and I, and I've always found myself dancing, but it's more of like movement, really, really good movement. But, uh, it, it wasn't anything that, you know, I want to, I could brag about, but the dancers I was with, 
showed me so much. So I learned a lot from right. watching them and choreography and all that jazz. And then having to learn how to do the Tarzan act, which was the physically the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. That was, um, that was what was, I was nervous to do it in front of the audience at the same time. I was, I, 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 it's almost like I was more nervous about the stunt that I was about to do in front of the audience rather than just being in front of the audience. It was, I wanted to get the stunt right. Can you tell us exactly what it is you're doing in front of the audience? Yes. Yes. So they taught me how to do, and I don't know what the technical name of it is called, but I just call it Spanish web spinning. So Spanish web is similar to a rope, um, but it's got this woven fiber fiber as an outside layer and it, it i think that's a spanish material or or mm, modification or the way they sure. do it i don't know exactly how it works but the material is it's what you find in gyms uh for a gymnast and um okay. what what my task was to do was as tarzan uh i have to that rope falls out of the ceiling that spanish web a a, a person who's dressed as a monkey on stage grabs that web at the bottom and he's known as what's called the setter and Mm -hmm. he holds it i grab the rope and i climb to the top of the rope or i I would say 15 maybe 20 feet up about 15 feet up i guess maybe yeah 15 20 feet there's a loop where i climb up with my like i said my feet out like in the splits kind of and i use Mm -hmm. just arm and hand strength to climb up i loop my hand my right hand up into that i put it up in that loop where the the loop is going around my wrist now. And then I grab a hold. There's a ro- rubber lock. You slide down, you grab a hold of that, that ro- rope loop. Mm-hmm. You then hold the rest of the rope with, it's kind of hard to picture, but you hold the rest of the rope of your left hand and you let your body hang as if you're just hanging from your right hand. The guy on the bottom then starts to slowly, but progressively faster and faster, spin the rope. And as that happens, your body starts to become like a centrifuge where it's spinning around its own center of gravity. And oh. it's, it, it gets going very fast. And this happens for a minute, a solid minute. And I think I would spin anywhere between 65 to 85 revolutions in one, wow. one setting. So while I'm doing this, my legs are doing all these interesting shapes. And then during the hardest part, I have to let go of my left hand grab my right hand, do what's like kind of like a one arm pull up kind of. And then I face the ceiling and they spin me super, super fast. And that's like the most impressive part. And then I go one handed and I do all these others. They then stop it. They lower the curtain. They go on to the next scene. So it's a very highly intense part where strobe lights are going off music, loudness, everything. And it's very intense. Um, but it's very impressive part of the show that they designed. And, uh, that was what my job was as that character in that show. And how many times did you have to do that per day uh, slash per week? Anywhere between one to five times. But most of the time I was doing it uh, between three to four times a day was my average. Sometimes five. I think I might have gotten one day where I only had to do it one time. But I worked pretty hard. And I never called out a single day of work. I never got sick a single time. I did every single show on my contract. You said you got extended, so you ended up staying for a full year? I was, I thought I was going to get extended. Um, There was, I feel a little bit of kind of maybe some politics going on, maybe with, with, with it all. Yeah, and I ended up getting the short end of the stick. Um, there had been, uh, uh, yeah, some, some stuff that had gone down. There had been, uh, a fire on stage prior to me getting there and, a, uh-huh. uh, one of the performers got hurt. 
Um, and um, she had gotten hurt. She gotten burned pretty badly. This girl happened to be dating one of the Tarzans. And uh, I was told the girl did not did not press charges on Disney. And in return, Disney kept her and her Tarzan boyfriend on on contract for years. To, I bet they did. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, since then, the entire stage and every material had been coated in flame retardant coating. Lots of changes had been made. The girl, it caught on fire because of the pyro that's in the show. They had brought on a new Tarzan as well, and there was another Tarzan that had too much seniority. It all fell down on me, where they said, even though I was I, I was a really hard-working Tarzan, they... they they told me they did not have another contract to offer me, mm-hmm. but it was Russ Jordan. He looks at me in the eyes and he says, but don't, don't get hurt anytime soon. And I think he was trying to tell me, I want to bring you back. I want to bring right. you back. And I just can't right now. My hands are tied. So I, uh, I, I wasn't very, you know, I was, I was, I was hurt by it. I, I mean, as in, cause yeah. I, I wanted to stay so bad. I wanted to do a year long contract. Yeah. And I didn't feel it was time for me to leave yet. I felt like I, I had more to accomplish. So I, I felt really bummed out about it, but I accepted it. And then I learned there was an audition for, um, being held in Hong Kong for, uh, a place called universal studios in Singapore. Well, before we get there, <laughs> and that's the next step. <laughs> yeah, any more uh, fond memories or stories about your time in Hong Kong Disney? Uh, me and my three, my two other Westerner friends, we used to go out um, at, to Cafe Iguanas in, I think it's Kowloon, and we they used to give us free tequila there, and wow. oh, they loved us because we were fun guy, fun some fun fun group of guys, and yeah. the trains would stop running at like twelve thirty a.m., so we would always have to leave in time to catch the train home. So we were always home at a decent time, and then when we get home, we would just play cards until two or three in the morning, and then. You know, have to get up at like, you know, nine or 10 in the morning if you had to go to work that next day and you'd be fine, you know, because I mean, it was just, it was just such, such a good time. You had your schedule, you had your friends, you had your fun times. It was just an amazing, amazing adventure. Right. Well, you've already given us uh, plenty. I have Hong given Kong you a Disney, few juicy little sure. bad stories. Yes. <laughs> 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 I figure, gosh, I'm, well, I'm done with theme parks now. I mean, I, we haven't gotten this part right. yet, but I did seven theme parks in an eight year time period. Um, I'm, I'm now in the movie business and I, this has been my ultimate goal. Anyway, steam parks were just a stepping stone for me. So, you know, absolutely. As they should be. Uh, and speaking of, uh, stepping stones, the next stone for mm-hmm. Dirk to step on mm-hmm. is that of universal Singapore. Uh, so am I guessing that you already knew your contract was ending and you saw that the universal audition was coming up. So you went to it. Is that how it went down? That's pretty much how it went down. Um, but the funny thing was about it was, um, if, if I'll, 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 the audition went very well, I, I went in there and I think I, they think they gave me a script for Beetlejuice and I did the, I did the voice and I, I really wanted to get like Scorpion King or something. I wanted to get some fun and cause Tor- Scorpion King was kind of similar to almost like Tarzan, you know? And sure. even though I'm not in, I'm not Scorpion King, I don't have the Scorpion King look in, right. in America. But mm-hmm. in you know in Singapore, everyone's a little bit shorter and I was mm-hmm. a little bit bigger, so it works. I mean, it just it just works there. Well, right. they they went through my my resume that I had brought, and I mean, I had down the bottom listed special skills: uh, drumming, stilt walking, voice impressions. Oh, I do a little bit of power skips, and they were like, "Ooh, mm-hmm. you do power skips?" 
And for the audience at home, if they don't know what power skips are, uh, uh, they are basically shorter stilts that have a bow in them that allow you to spring up. So if you're a good gymnast, you can you can jump really high and even do flips in them. And usually when I tell people that, they go, oh, yeah, I've seen those before. Those are those are crazy. So they mm-hmm. they wanted me to come in as a uh, play uh, what's called an, Anub- an Anubis guard, Anubis guard for the Scorpion King. And that was going to be on power skips. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't really have anything else yet, so I I said, yeah, I, I think I'm going to accept this contract. I mean, this will give me another year out here in in Asia, and I'll be able to you know save up more money, and then sure. go from there. Well, just a few days, like a week before I'm scheduled to leave Hong Kong, I got a call from Russ Jordan from Disney saying he wanted to extend me for another three or four months at Disneyland. Huh. Yeah, or, yeah, Disneyland as Tarzan, and also even play Santa Claus for their parades, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And uh, I said, gosh, uh, you know, I said, what's, what's happened? He says, well, we're losing one of the Tarzans, and we need someone to fill this and then do that. This will be a good chance for you to stay on here longer. And I'm like, yeah, man, I mean, Russ, I would love to do that, but I'm so sorry to say this. I've actually already just accepted a contract from Singapore. And he goes, oh, uh, oh, 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 yeah, okay, all right, yeah, that makes sense, yeah, okay, all right, all right, okay, okay, all right, no problem. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so sorry, man. He goes, no, no, that's a good, I understand, I understand. So he he let it go, and I said, but, you know, let me know if you want me to come back, you know. So that's kind of how I had to, I had to kind of turn down the contract for, to stay in Hong Kong and then and go to Singapore because it was a year long contract and, and right. it was more guaranteed and I needed, I wanted to stay out there longer and make more money and, sure. and more experiences. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you showed up to Singapore. I took a week break. I took a week break and I went to California to check out California because I knew that was where I was coming up with the idea. I think I want to move to California after this. If I'm going to be staying out here for another year, that's two years in Asia almost, I'm going to be out here. What's my real next move? Do I really want to go back to Florida? Do I really want to go back and audition for Indiana Jones? Or do I really want to make the next year count? At that time, I was like 29. And I was like, I think when I turned 30, after a year being in Singapore, unless I'm offered something I cannot turn down, I'm going to go to California after this. So I had kind of, yeah, I landed in Singapore with a new mindset is basically what I'm saying. Well, it's good to plan ahead because, uh, Sometimes it's hard to do that being a traveling performer and you just got to go where the work is. My plane out from Florida, there was a layover in California before I went to Singapore also. And it was like, it was ridiculous, like 12 hour layover. And that was actually my first time in California also. Um, I actually went and took a bus and hung out at the uh, Santa Monica promenade for a little bit. Yeah, I was out there too. I was out there too. I was out there and I got a really good video that's had like, I don't know, half a million views on my YouTube of, of uh, I forgot his name, but he's a drummer and he plays on a really just worn down drum set on the promenade. He's really, really good. And I, yeah, I spent a week out there just exploring California because I knew I wanted to go out there after Singapore. So that's funny. Right. You were at the promenade as well. <laughs> yeah. Yep. For, I don't know, eight hours or so. Yeah. It was uh, time, to, time to go to work. Time to go to work. So. You got to Singapore. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the? What would you say is the main difference between Singapore and Hong Kong? I I noticed right away. I remember the first when I first landed, and I was in the Hong, the Singapore airport, and I got a cab to go to the hotel. Was I noticed the first thing I noticed was how big and nice the buildings were, 
everything was big and huge and i'm like oh my gosh these i mean because when i was in hong kong a lot of the buildings uh, that i saw were looked like they'd been, been built quite a while back ago and mm-hmm. there wasn't really anything that i saw at the time that was magnificent and pretty and right. i get to singapore and well, everything's pretty everything's nice everything's wow look at these buildings mm-hmm. i'm like where in the heck did they come up with the money to build all the stuff i just could not get it i was like I didn't know that Singapore had this much money. And uh, right. I remember that was the first thing I noticed. And that was before I learned what a COE was, what a, what, what a, those uh, $60,000, $70,000 taxes they imply on, on, oh, car, on yeah. car, car owners. That's, right. That probably helps. <laughs> sure, sure. So you get to Universal Singapore. What is uh, training like for you? Well, the first, I think, two weeks... I didn't even train. <laughs> I think. None I think. Of us did. Yeah, I don't think any of us did. I think. Uh, as fa- I think a lot of people were off for month, a month, or if not multiple months. Uh, and the not, reason why was because I, I believe it's because they weren't ready for us. I don't think they were. The park wasn't built. It wasn't built. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't yeah. built, and they weren't ready. They yeah. I even nope. heard a rumor that um, they, when they were building the park, they actually got a crane stuck in the park. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard that one, but um, I believe it. Yeah, I heard they built the park and accidentally real uh, accidentally left a crane inside and like, oh crap, this crane! How are we going to get this crane out? It won't fit. They had to like tear something down in order to get the crane out. That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're not surprised. Yeah. No, so we had a lot of time to kill. We, did you did you stay in the hotel re when you first got there? No, I went straight to the whatever that place was called the. That I don't remember what that guy. It had one. It was one syllable name. It was like Ark or or something. I don't remember the park. The park. Okay, it was P A R C. Uh-huh. Yeah. When I remember. did uh, when did you arrive there? When everybody else did, or a little bit later? I think or? I was maybe even a little bit later because I even think I asked Singapore when I was in California, "Can you fly me out like a week later?" And I think they allowed that. So um, I I arrived on my own, and I was right behind. I think the the group before me. Well, you're lucky. You missed out on a lot of uh, annoying stuff. Like, I heard um, them trying to like stick us into less than um, habitable <laughs> housing. I um, heard a like lot that. of things like that, and I yeah yeah I heard. I mean, when I got there and I landed, it was like I walked into a um, a house where I don't know someone had just like gotten too drunk and everybody was now in a bad mood because like this had just happened a dude broke you know mike broke the tv because it got and everybody was just pissed i mean it was like that's what it was like walking to singapore everybody was like aggravated and i was like what is going on and like oh man before you got here it was it was it was crazy yeah well i'll tell you all of that was nothing compared to what i experienced in dubai but moving on yes um, (laughs) i heard that story oh man we're all sitting around doing nothing when you did start training what did you have to do it was really only two different things uh it was uh i mean i i think they already trusted me with the power skips they already knew i could jump them i mean we we i i trained a little bit on those I, i had a costume fitting and then uh makeup rehearsal uh, which was a very, very, very memorable day, makeup rehearsal. That that was probably one of my most memorable, one of my most memorable days in Singapore, if not the two years I spent in Hong Kong. One of them. It was one of them. Um, uh, 
other than that, just training with poses and stuff. And wait, 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 uh, why? Why was it so memorable? Uh, because of what happened the night before and what happened that morning before I went to my makeup rehearsal. Are um, you going to tell me what that is? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so the night before, I went out partying with some friends. Um, we went to uh, I don't know if it, I don't know what club it was. It had two stories, and uh, I, I'm, I'm 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 blanking on all my names right now. I don't know if it was that butter. Are you cookies. talking about Orchard Tower? No, 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 no. That that okay. that came later, actually. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, that, well, you don't have to drop names. It's okay. I I, I don't rem- the thing. Okay, I remember Daryl Britt was with us, and okay. uh, there was a few others, and we had gone to this club that the guy that was with us in our group, I guess had dated the girl whose father owned the club. And so he was able to get us like free drinks and we had like pitcher sized, pitcher sized, uh, long Island iced teas. Like each one of us had a whole pitcher of long. I mean, I got, I think more drunk than I'd ever gotten in my life. And I was (laughs) such a good, I was such a good dancer that night. And, uh, I, I, around, I don't know what time of night it was. I sent a text to my friends and I said, okay, guys, I'm, I'll see you at, at the hotel. I'm going home. And I, I just booked mm-hmm. it. I got in a cab and I went home and I was drunk beyond I had ever felt before. And, uh, I woke up the next morning with a horrible, horrible hangover. And I knew I had makeup rehearsal the next day. Yeah. Uh, but I knew it was just going to be an hour long makeup rehearsal, maybe two at the most. I'm going to go in there. They're going to show me the picture. I'm going to paint the makeup on my face to look like the picture and that's going to be it. It's going to be easy. So I can handle this hungover. So I went into work and I got there and the manager or whoever was in charge of me that day said, Oh, hi Dirk. Um, Jason Ramsberg needs to see you in his office, uh, real quick. <laughs> uh, okay. okay, sure. Uh, what's going on? Oh, he just, he needs to talk to you about something. I don't really know what it is. I said, okay. So they took me into this office and, I'm meeting this guy for the first time, mind you. So uh, there's a guy sitting at his computer, and he looks up. He goes, Dirk, how are you doing? Jason Ramsberg. I'm like, hi, Jason. How are you doing? He's like, okay, uh, please take a seat. I said, all right. What, what's, now, mind you, I'm also very hungover right here. Sure. All right. So he says, we need to find out if you are interested and willing to help us fill a spot in a show. And I said, okay, uh, yeah, what's the show? He said, well, it's called Voyage de la V." And oh. it's a Cirque type show that's held on a stage um, near our headquarters here. And I go, okay, what's going on? They said, well, we've we have a strap sack. There's a strap sack in the show, and two guys get like hauled into the air on these straps wrapped around their wrist, and they're like they have like a a battle in the air, and it's to music, and it's elaborate. And I'm like, wow. And they go. We wanted to ask you about this because you have uh, Spanish web experience with Hong Kong, correct? I said, I said yes. So uh, they said, well, that's why we want to see if you could possibly fill the spot. And I'm like, okay, uh, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm willing to look into that, absolutely. They said, I want you to watch this video. It's a video of the Straps Act, and you'll get to see this is a performance from the show. So mm-hmm. I, he pulls up his laptop, and he presses play, and I'm like, I'm watching it, and I'm watching these two guys getting just hauled like quickly up in the air, 20, 30, 40 feet. And they're flipping around each other and they're spinning and they're turning and they're being, Oh, it's insanely amazing. And I'm watching this while I'm extremely hungover. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, Oh boy, I'm trying to hold it in. 
And we get done with the whole video. I think the video is like 10, 15, 10, 5, 10 minutes long. Uh-huh. And he goes, do you think you can handle that? And I'm having to think in my mind, what would it be like to be on these straps doing all these flips right. in the air while I'm hungover? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, um, I think I can. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty. I think I can do that. That's no problem. And Jason goes, are you sure? And I said, yeah. And he goes, don't, don't just say yes, because this is a good opportunity. <laughs> so he literally said, don't just say yes, because this is a good opportunity. I really want to know, can you do this? And I have this kind of mindset, even if you're not positively sure that you can do something, but you are confident that you can figure it out. You're confident in your abilities to be able to adapt. Just mm-hmm. say yes and figure it out from there. Just yep. you, you got to take opportunities when they come to you. Mm, absolutely. So I said, yes, I can definitely do this. And I had no idea if I would be able to handle that level of aerialism, but I really right. wanted, I really wanted to say yes and do it. So he said, well, just be on the safe side here. Watch it again. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> oh. I'm like, Jason, I'm so drunk. Or I wasn't drunk. I was hung over. So right. I got through it again. I said yes again. And he said, okay, well, I'm going to call, uh, I'm going to, call the manager over there. I'm going to try to get you set up for some rehearsals. We have to get this going as quickly as possible or else we're going to lose this part of the show. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. So I said, sounds good. Shook his hands and I went off to my makeup rehearsal. Well, that the way that played out was I got brought into rehearsals. I was introduced to the other straps guy. I was introduced to the manager, the stage manager. I was introduced to a lot of the performers <laughs> and, and it all went downhill. None of them liked me. None of them, well, that's where it gets interesting. And none of them liked me. Every one of them, I got the cold shoulder from, I got the, the stage manager. She was talking down to me. She, um, and, oh man, I got nothing but hostility when I entered that room and got on that stage. Um, and why is that? Well, so I, I had this friend, um, name is, uh, Maya. She was in the show as well. She was on the mm-hmm. stage show. She did the cube act and me and her, became really good friends and we hung out and uh the whole year and i i had talks with her about that i said all of your co-performers in that show hated me and mm-hmm. and i don't know why and she said well so they all had to work you have to think of their mindset they had to work really really hard to get in those positions and they trained really hard and they auditioned oh. they finally got it and then here's this guy from hong kong just walking in and they're offering him a part and i go Oh, okay. So it's, so it was pride. And, uh, and she goes, no, it's not pride. It's just, I'm like, how's it not pride? And she's like, <laughs> okay, yeah, you're right. It's pride. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was in drumline for decades. And if I was in a drumline and there was a kid that came in who was 10 years younger than me, but could play as good as me, if not better, dude, get, get beside me. I want to play with you. I want us to perform together. Yeah, I, 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 you know, you got to do what's best for the show. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, not everyone is like that. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it didn't bother me. Um, uh, we, we had talks with the stage manager. They ended up canceling the idea because they were, their excuse was they would have to do too much reprogramming with the, the ropes, that, the straps that pulled them up in the air were all computerized. So uh-huh. they would have to reprogram all of that to fit me. And, and uh, it just, I got a lot of the cold shoulder in there. They did not, including the stage manager the most. She didn't like me the most, 
Jason Ramsberg gave me a call that night, I think, and he apologized to me to to me greatly for that. He said, "I'm sorry to put you through that, man." And and mm-hmm. uh, I, I should take that back. It was actually a text message. I just nevertheless, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yeah, he said, "I'm sorry I put you through that." I said, "Jason, it's okay. Don't worry. I just realized how you know I don't even want to work for them if they're going to be like that towards me. It's okay." And he talked to me later on. He said, "Don't worry about that. I actually have bigger plans for you." And I was Ooh. like, "I was like, really? Well, what do you have?" And <laughs> Cowabunga code. I know. I'll say what he said. He says, uh, he says, um, I want to copy Upbeat. And I said, and Upbeat was the name of the official name of my drum, my still drum show in Orlando. Okay. So he wanted, right. he wanted to start a new show of stilt drummers and he was proposing I coordinate all of it and teach the drummers or, and uh-huh. run the show. I was very for that. I was very for starting a new drum show. Um, of whatever caliber to Universal Studios Singapore, and I would love to be the runner of that. I would love to sure. perform and run it. I said, Jason, you get me a good 10 drummers. I will analyze their abilities. I will write music for them. I will show them choreography. I will show them the stilts. I will do everything. And he says, okay, mm-hmm. well, we'll look at this soon. Well, fast forward a year, it still hadn't happened. So I had to, <laughs> <laughs> I had to, I had to forego that too as well. Yeah, there were a lot of sort of like... Yes, started projects going on back then. Um, So, yeah, I'm sure you weren't the only person who was experiencing that. Oh, I'm Um, sure I wasn't. I'm sure I wasn't. I'm sure it happened with a lot of people. Sure. I mean, in the very first year, they they built an entire stage and brought out a a whole bunch of people who never even got to work. So it was just kind of yeah for the course. I. I noticed I noticed the things about Singapore at that time. I'd already that was my third theme, no fourth or fifth theme park at the time. I'd already worked for it. I was noticing what they were not really doing. What I thought was maybe the most correct procedure, um, mm-hmm. and and I also felt that a little bit of just kind of common sense was lacking with a lot of the the Singaporean employees and the <laughs> stage manager. I know that sounds really bad, but. I mean, when it came to like rain and rain warnings and, um, but I don't blame, that's the funny thing is I don't blame universal at all. Really. Um, I just, I, I noticed a little bit of that with the mindset of a lot of the locals that lived out there. So did you pick up any other roles or during your time at universal Singapore? Well, yes, they, uh, after Nubis garden, I had requested this a couple of times. I wanted to be cross trained into Scorpion King really bad. And, uh, I did get cross trained into it. Um, mm-hmm. we had, <laughs> we had a few issues with towards the end of the year into my contract or the last half, at least with keeping Scorpion King's, and keeping them working. <laughs> and uh, if I tell you the correct numbers, we started off with, I think, I think four guys that could do Scorpion King, whether they were subs or full time. And the end of the, my contract, I was the only one left. I also was asked to perform in some of the parades as a, as a stilt walking drummer. Okay. And did that actually come to fruition? It, the actual performance didn't because I think it rained horribly <laughs> and, but all the, the rehearsal did. I mean, I was, oh, I really? had, yeah, I had video of me in costume, uh, with the, the tenors on, which are, uh, marching drums 
and 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 rehearsing uh, uh, an act that I was doing for Singaporean uh, employees at Universal Studios. I was just doing my sure. act as a rehearsal, and I think the following day we were supposed to have this big celebration parade. It never happened. I believe it was because of the rain. It's the the only place that I found that rained more than Florida. Yeah, yeah, um, I yeah, I agree with that. I think it actually yeah. rained more than Florida. It was funny because, like, you know, all the locals would be like, oh, what do you think about our weather? It rains all the time. So humid, right? And I'm like, buddy, I'm from Florida. Like, I'm used to this. So any more roles that actually happened while you were there? I also got cast for the ringleader for the Halloween Horror Nights. Okay. That was a cool role because I got to let everyone into the park. So I got to go out there and just, like, be the first thing they see. And I would usually go out there and yell like, you know, you know, make some noise, you know, you know, get them all pumped up. And so you get uh, to add a scare actor to your resume. Was that your, was that your first time being a scare actor? You know, I, well, yes. Other than Darth Maul, it was my first time being a Halloween scare actor. I do believe I, I I would have to think back through all the stilt roles I did, but Mm it was, I think the first time I'd ever, was the first time I'd ever worked. I worked for Halloween nights at disney but i never worked for universal halloween nights so Uh, it was a different experience and it was a lot of fun how did it end for you at singapore i so i came to the end of my contract i was only scorpion king left i was doing scorpion king full-time at that point i was because i was the only one there they came in to sit they they i don't remember how exactly it happened i don't remember if we got emails or what but they notified me of they were offering me another contract to stay Mm-hmm. And this was going to be a Scorpion King full-time contract. It wasn't going to be, I was cross-trained. I wasn't doing something. It was, no, you're going to be the actual Scorpion King this time. It's not, you know, I'm not just a sub. So okay. I, I thought about it and I was also in the process at the time of auditioning for um, Waterworld. Mm-hmm. That was that was kind of my Indiana Jones of Singapore. I wanted to be. That was my Indiana Jones too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was trying. I tried my second year and got pretty pretty close to getting in there, but I ended up taking another donkey contract instead. I wanted to get into Waterworld, but at that point, I was kind of getting done with stunts. Mm-hmm. Um, I already kind of had in my mind that I wasn't really wanting to do stunts. And, and I got that from back when I was working at Disney, I was, I was, you know, hanging out with the Indiana Jones guys all the time. And mm-hmm. one day I saw two of them and they were talking and the one's like, Hey Bob, Hey Mark, how's the leg? Oh, it's not too bad. How's your arm doing? Oh, it's, it's hanging in there. And I just like, uh, I was like, looking, at like, is this going to be me in 15, 20 years talking about yeah. injuries all the time? I don't know if I, I want that to happen. Acting is so much right. more physically safer than stunt guy. Sure. So mm-hmm. plus I liked being the center of attention, deserving the center of attention for lines and entertainment. I liked sure. being that front man for that. That was what I enjoyed. So I was like, well, what can I do in Waterworld? Well, the most likely one that I think I would enjoy the most is the Deacon. Yeah. That's what I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll shave my head if I have to. I had to do it a million times for Darth Maul. Yeah. But I really wanted you, to be the deacon. Yeah, you have to get in good with those guys I bet. over there. Oh, I bet. Mm-hmm. I bet. I I mean, I was like, okay, the deacon, he's the bad guy. He's the center of attention. He talks to the audience the most, and he doesn't do any stunts. That's yep. I mean, I like being physically fit so I can be physically fit, not so I can get possibly hurt every day. I I, sure. I, I, I like I'm an extremist. I like snowboarding, I like 
skydiving. I like a lot of mm-hmm. crazy stunt stuff. But when you're doing it every day as your job, I've already experienced that. And I blew up my knee. So right. I don't want to hurt myself or put myself in the potential of hurting myself anymore. So I love acting roles because I think those are it's more of a long term. I like the long term effects of, of acting, you know, on sure. stage, afterwards, everything. So right. I auditioned. Uh, I, I sent them in a really good audition video uh, that my friend, uh, you might remember her, her name was Sheridan. Uh, mm-hmm. She helped me out with, she, she was my reader. And uh, I edited together a great audition video and I sent it in and I tried to make connections, but in the long, I didn't get it. And yeah, the, that role was going to, yeah, that, that was, was going to be my deciding factor if I was going to stay in Singapore or not, if I got that, that role. Yeah. And uh, I, I was hanging out with some friends and I told them, I just found out today I didn't get it. And they were all like, good. Like they were like, good. Cause you were going to move to California if you didn't get it. Right. I said, yeah, they go, good. I'm glad you're getting out of here. I want you to go to California. I was like, wow. Okay. And so <laughs> I, I turned down the contract for Singapore. And uh, one day a manager came in to talk to me and in my break room and she took me into an office and she sat me down. It was a little private conversation. And she goes, so Dirk, I heard that you, uh, you turned down. Your, the contract to stay here longer. And I go, I, I did. That's true. She said, is there something wrong? Why would you want to turn it down? It's, it's, is there something wrong with us? I go, no, no, nothing wrong with you guys. I, I, I mean, I was letting them know that's not why, you know, the, you know, mm-hmm. you know, any, any qualms with bad management or whatever with Disney, with, with, with universal, that wasn't the reason why I was leaving. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you know, well then why it's so easy you know you scorpion king i mean literally it was the easiest entertainment job i'd ever had the money i was mm-hmm. making in comparison to the work i was not that i was doing was a no-brainer who would not who would not want to do this mm-hmm. but i said well i guess when she said when she said it's so easy why don't you want to do it I, I said i guess that's the problem i'm not really looking for the next easy thing to do i'm actually looking for the next challenge i'm looking for the next wow. contract um Jason Ramsberg had a talk with me almost a year ago about starting up a drum show on stilts. Um, what about that? And she goes, Oh yeah, it's, it's probably going to be another year before we even look at that. We got too <laughs> many things going on. I'm like, Oh, I, I auditioned to be a singer. You know, I, 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 I had decent singing skills for a really good karaoke singer. I was not a professional, uh-huh. but I thought, Hey, maybe they can still slide me in somewhere and they can train me, you know, mm-hmm. but I didn't get that. So I was like, I'm going to be staying here doing the exact same thing. And my mindset was do a contract and move on to something different, better, anything, you know, unless it's just, you can't turn it down, just, you know, move on. And I said, I am turning 30 next year. I have always wanted to be in the film industry as an actor, a producer, a director, a writer. I have a a chance now. I have the money in the bank. I can go anywhere in the world. I want to go to California now and start up my acting career. And once I told her that, she just kind of looked at me and she goes, okay, yeah, you're right. You shouldn't, you shouldn't do this contract. You do need to go. I completely agree with you. I mean, was this, was that simple? Uh, that's awesome that you think that way. And that's great. You, well, you, you. got to follow your dreams yes. for sure. I feel the same way, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm just curious. Like, <laughs> was this manager, um, uh, local? Oh yeah. She was a local. Yes. Wow. Like yes. I can't believe she even cared. Cause I, I don't know. Things yeah. were different for us donkeys. Like nobody gave a crap about us. Oh, like man, they, I'm so sorry. They barely, I mean, it's okay. The venue runs itself. And sure. like, when people did come over, 
they were just really obnoxious and we were like, why are you here? Um, but <laughs> I just, uh, I don't know. I'm just so not used to hearing them talk like that, that I just can't believe anyone would even care. <laughs> I felt undervalued when I was at Disney doing Power Rangers. Oh, wow. You know, that was a big complaint that a lot of the Power Rangers had was we felt undervalued. We felt like we were, even though it was kind of difficult to somewhat replace us, we still felt like, this is your job. Go do it. Don't complain. It, we just, and, and no, we're not going to give you any more money for all the stress you put your bodies through. It, it, you're yeah, going to be paid minimum wage. It, we felt a little undervalued. Yeah. You should have been making the same thing that the Marvel superheroes were making over at Islands of Adventure. You're right. I, I don't know how much they make, but yeah. I mean, I would... More well, than minimum more wage. Than, more than minimum wage, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't remember if it was a minimum wage or not, but I know it was under $10 an hour. I think it was. I think I was paid like seven twenty-five an hour or something. Dang. I think that's what it was. I think. I think the most I made at Disney was when I did Darth Maul. I did Darth Maul because it was a stage show. You get paid for being a stage show. And because mm -hmm. I was a face character, technically. I think I made a whopping $12.75 an hour, I think. That's what I made as Donkey at Universal Orlando. Really? Yep. That wow. was the uh, face character or atmosphere, they called it. That was the atmosphere pay. Um, but, uh, I mean, but from, but from making the eight, like eight fifty as a Shrek, like that was like, <laughs> I thought I was, uh, right. every time I got a donkey shift, I felt like I was a millionaire. And how many shows a day did you do? Um, I want to say four, four was your, was your voice a little worn out and stuff afterwards and your mind kind of like, uh, Oh boy, like worn out. No, like it was, uh, I mean, it was basically a 25 minute set. Then a rest, then 25 minutes, then your lunch, and then repeat for the last two. Um, like if I ever worked like a full week, then I started to feel it. But I mean, right. it was such a right. it was such a sweet gig. Like yeah. I would never. I mean, compared to sweating it out in Shrek, like right. uh, I mean, no, right. I'll take it. Oh, absolutely. Any day of the week. Yes, yes. Well, the thing with the Darth Maul show, uh, the Jedi Training Academy. I think I was making twelve twenty-five, twelve seventy-five an hour, but I think I was doing at least at least eleven shows a day. That was what was really killing me. I think I might even have done fourteen. I can't remember for certain. It was up wow. there. It was up there. It was a lot. It was somewhere between nine to fourteen. I think it was like eleven, and uh, that I was covered in like black, all black, leather, Ooh. black boots, black. My head was painted and covered with silt with with horns, you know. Uh, latex horns and, and other latex. It was just, it was, it was miserable. It was, and it was in Florida, you know? Yeah. I was always interested to work for Disney just to see what it was like. And then I got my chance. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just the parade out here. The, Cause like the parade is a whole separate like entity out mm -hmm. here at Disneyland. Mm -hmm. But man, it, I mean, and plus it was in my like advanced age <laughs> right? at the, at the end of my career basically. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this sucks yeah <laughs> more yeah. or less i um, i had that feeling when i came to uh hollywood and i worked for only a few months for universal out there yes let's get to that sure so, so dirk has left singapore and he's charging head first <laughs> to america did you stop and visit your parents first what did you do i actually did both i went to florida and i stopped there because i had a storage unit full of all of my stuff sitting there in florida and i needed to get my stuff from my I think I'd moved everything into storage and some of it was at my old house that my uh, roommates lived in. And I, I got that and I was in Florida. I had to stay in Florida to kind of get myself back into 
normal life. I didn't have a vehicle anymore. I'd gotten rid of my vehicle and I didn't have a place to stay. So I, and I wanted to move to California. Okay. What do I need? Um, well, let's get a, let's get a truck. Let me get a nice used vehicle. Uh, let's get a, an enclosed trailer. This is going to be a long trip. So let's make an enclosed, mm-hmm. let's get an enclosed trailer. Let's stay at some friend's house, just couch surf for a few weeks. And then, and then I'll get my, I'll say my goodbyes to all my friends and then I'll leave. And I, I did all of that. I didn't say goodbye to all of my friends. because Everybody was just kind of busy. And I don't know if everybody, how seriously they took me at the time, but I, I vanished. I left Florida and, um, I drove you were to like, you looked at them and you were like, you're going to regret you didn't say goodbye to Dirk Ellis. <laughs> well, you jumped in your truck and smashed the gas. I, I just had a conversation with my buddy from uh, the drumline, the the stilt drumline at SeaWorld. I just had a conversation with him last week on uh, on Facebook Messenger. And he was saying he remembers back in the day when we were in San Antonio, we would when we got done with our day of drumming and stilt walking, we'd go back to the hotel. We'd all hop in the hot tub and, and just have a couple of beers and chill for the night. And, and then, you know, go back to our rooms. He says he remembers me talking about how badly I wanted to go to California. And he describes me now as the, um, goodwill hunting of, of our group. One day huh. they just woke up and I was gone and <laughs> I did what I said I was going to do. And they, he, he was telling me dirt. I know, tons of people out here that are still talking about all that stuff they're going to do and they're still out here and they're still doing the same thing, you know? So that was a nice, nice little, you know, trophy he gave me was like, dude, good job. You said you were going to do it and you did it. And now you're in California. And so that was cool. So yeah, I, I, I stopped in Texas for, I think two weeks to a month, maybe I think, I think I was in Florida for two weeks and I went to Texas for two weeks, something like that. And I spent time Mm -hmm. with family saw everybody and then said, okay, bon voyage guys, I'm going to head West. And I remember the funniest conversation I was having with my dad. My dad is from California and I text mm-hmm. him. And as soon as I, I think I left, I text him and I said, dad, by the way, I forgot to ask you, uh, how do I get to California? <laughs> and he said, just, just head West until you hit water. <laughs> so uh, nice. yeah, it was a good little send off and I got to California and I, I, I mean, I think I, this is really, really dumb and I'm going to kind of give away my man card here. But when I entered the California line, I played on the radio on my CD player. I played Katy Perry's uh, California girls. <laughs> of all the songs you could have played. I don't know why, but I think oh it was new God. at the time and I really wanted to hear that fun, happy beach vibe just hit me. Well, and I was like, we were, you know, <laughs> I was just like so excited. Well, my wife and I, we blasted synth wave. Uh, so okay. I don't know. We'll let, we'll let the listeners be. We'll be let them the be judge. the judge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's awesome. Either way, I, I guess. <laughs> I know it's some, some stupid. I was like, man, look at all those windmills. Oh, California. Let's play my song and let's get into California and let's celebrate. You know, but you could have done the beach boys. The I know. Eagles. I thought about that. I'm like, God, man, beach boys would have been way better song selection. Probably. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we'll forgive you since. Okay. You, thank you. you. Know, took your, took the time out of your day to, uh, I, Talk to me. I get points show. for being honest. I'll, I'm a very uh, honest person. That's true. Yes. Yep. Hey, I, I try to be at least, especially if I'm making fun of myself. <laughs> you know? That's good. Yeah. So, uh, so you get to California and, uh, I mean, immediately I'm sure you're like, and I'm, this is what I went through too. I'm not going to try to go to theme parks. I'm not going to try to work in theme parks, mm-hmm. but so 
Yeah. When did you eventually work for a theme park? Uh, when I saw an audition that they were having, uh, I, I just caught, I mean, I think I was already kind of trying to reach out to my contacts to get me an audition for Waterworld. I was going to try to go into that again. Um, and then I saw an audition meeting like scare actors. And I think I had been out here for a couple of months and I'm like, okay, I need to kind of start getting some work going because <laughs> this money, you know, will only last so long in California. Right. So, um, I auditioned, um, and I mean, I got it right away, but the role was just like, Oh man, not this again. The role was to play this really big, heavy set zombie with a chainsaw. And I was, oh, so the, the chainsaw people and HHN. Yeah. And how in the house of horrors or whatever it's called. Yes. Okay. I was like the final zombie that was standing between like two giant uh, um, mutilated cows that mm. were rubber. And I had this chainsaw and a button that I pressed with my foot when I lunged at people that would s set off the strobe lights and everything and, and the, mm. the chainsaw noise. I did that. And five minutes later, I was already over with it. I was over it immediately. Yeah, that's the weird thing. Like Immediately you, over it. Once yeah. you go kind of like through what you and I have both gone through. Yeah. And then you try to go back to what you used to do. It just feels fake, right? It, it, it felt like, oh, man, I don't know. I can't describe the feeling. I was just like, I was in that big, heavy, hot costume. And I was like, and, and I'm, I, there was no pride. It wasn't like, I, I'm, I'm too good for this or anything. Mm -hmm. At least I was trying to not let, let myself sure. think that way. But I really was like bummed out. I was like, this is not. I could do, I can, I can do so much more. I've done so yeah. much more than this. I mean, I should be mm -hmm. doing again. It's, 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 it's not saying pride, but it's kind of, I guess, knowing your worth. Maybe I have yep, already been it. down this route. I have already done this. This is, mm -hmm. but I had to do what I had to do because I needed just to kind of have some income coming in. I needed to have some connections. I need to have something going. And so I just made it my journey to audition for everything else outside. Mm -hmm. And this Universal Studios company, I, I wasn't really enjoying very much. They were, um, I wasn't getting email responses back from the manager, the managers. <laughs> they weren't, right. I, I noticed uh, once you worked, this was now my seventh theme park that I had worked for. Mm -hmm. Once you work for a variety of theme parks around the world, you start to kind of notice the things about theme parks that, Oh man, they're doing that wrong. That's that shouldn't. Yeah, you know, you start to notice that. Yep. You notice the way they conduct things, and it's not. You don't. It's not. Uh, it's not uh, beneficial to them or anyone else, and mm -hmm. it makes things harder. Well, the the HH. What's it called? House House of something. HHN. Uh, are you talking Hor Halloween Horror Nights? No, or the the, the or, building, the HHR or something you called it, or what was that called? Oh, um, I don't remember the, what it was called. Um, House of Horrors. House of Horrors. Yeah, the House of mm -hmm. Horrors. Uh, I. There was things about that I, I was like, okay, I the the clock in process. The clock in process was ancient. You had to call a number and then press a series of buttons like one, one, two, choose option three, one. If you want to clock in at ten fifteen, you must press one zero and then pound and then one five and then congratulations, you are now clocked in. That it was a crazy, stupid process that was I had to I did that for my first year as uh, working HHN out here. And then they, they've gotten rid of it since. Oh, good. Because I was like, yeah. man, 10 years ago, I was swiping a card at Disney and I was clocked in. This is a phone number uh, on a, on like a, 
a corded phone that you would see inside of a house in the 80s or 90s. Isn't it so disappointing because you're like, yeah, man, I'm here in California, Hollywood. This is the entertainment capital of the world. Everything's going to be so like state of the art and it's going to be great. And then you come and you've got this cord corded phone that yeah. you have to dial. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Not only that, but like, so in order to go from on stage to off stage where my area was, I had to cross the path of the flow of the guests that were going through the horror house. They were already in the moment. They were go- I had to cross the path and go through like an exit or an emergency door. But in order to get to the emergency door, you have to type in a code, like a four-digit code. You can't type that code with these giant gloves on. So we were instructed just to remove the glove. I'm doing this in front of guests. I'm, I'm, I'm the big zombie with a chainsaw removing my glove, pressing code buttons to get into an employee area. And I'm like, this is a horrible setup. Horrible setup. So, yeah, I just, I, there was a lot of things about, and, and on top of that, in training, they told me I was, I was at part time. They said I would be getting one to five days a week. Mm-hmm. I got one day a week for the whole time I worked there. And, and how long did you work there? I feel like it was, it was less than six months. It was probably uh-huh. only about three months, three or four months. Maybe I, I didn't work there very long. And I, I put in a, I put in my notice and right when I put in my notice, there was an evaluation that went out for all the employees to give your evaluation of universal. Uh-huh. I, I definitely filled that page out. Uh-huh. Yeah, I definitely, that page <laughs> was full of words. I was complaining about all the things that I saw wrong with the way their system yeah. worked. And I didn't, I didn't enjoy it at all. And, uh, mm-hmm. I was like, I can't work for you guys anymore. You're only giving me one day a week. I have to get jobs at other places. And right. you're not really telling me what day I am working until like the week before or something. So it was just a really bad setup. And yeah, at that point, some... I was done. I was done with theme parks at that point. So was that your last theme park ever? I actually did audition for uh, about six months later. I auditioned for Disneyland in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. But I only auditioned to play one of the Jedi Knights in the Jedi Training Academy, which was a which was a union role, which was a speaking role, which was on a microphone. They, mm-hmm. they saw me and they realized they found out that I did Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. They wanted to have me do Darth Maul. They said, would you, would you consider Darth Maul again? I go, uh, honestly, I don't really want to do Darth Maul. I'd have to shave my head for that. I'm now trying to become an actor in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of makeup. I much rather would prefer doing one of the Jedi, actual Jedi guys who host the show. I definitely feel that that is the role for me. And they go, okay, no problem. And I never heard back. So that was oh. kind of my last, last thing, you know, with trying with the theme park. I was like, it's not, it's not for me anymore. So your last park was Universal Studios Hollywood. It actually was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. Uh, I know you're a busy guy now. Why don't you tell us what you're up to these days? Well, I have, um, I have. I, I did the acting thing for a bit out here. Nowadays, I am actually working on. Uh, I'm. I've moved into production now, um, which has been a, a lot of fun, actually. Um, I have uh, a business partner who I am trying to push a uh, a, a, a horror franchise, which is uh, comprised. Actually, it's actually when we're all said and done, it's going to be comprised of nine films. I created a superhero show that I have not launched yet uh, on YouTube. 
Uh, it's a comedy superhero show. I filmed 15 episodes of it. Um, I'm working on setting up a podcast studio. Um, wait, wait, what is that show on YouTube called? It's going to be called Real Heroes. Okay. That's what it's going to be called. And But the Real Heroes, it's, it's kind of a play on words. It doesn't mean Real Heroes is in... Uh, like these are real strong, tough heroes. These are the guys mm-hmm. that get a job. It's it's actually real as in reality. Very cool. Uh, do you have like a Instagram or Twitter you want to drop so people can keep abreast of all the projects that Dirk Ellis is doing? I, I would love that. If anybody wants to follow me, I do have tons of projects going on right now, uh, more than I can even remember. Um, I do have an Instagram. I uh, it's basically my name with with underlines on both sides. So it's uh, underscore Dirk Ellis underscore. And uh, I have a YouTube page, a YouTube channel called Ellis Evolved Productions. And uh, that's also my production Facebook page, Ellis Evolved Productions. And then I have a Facebook fan page. Uh, just look up Dirk Ellis official page. And those are kind of my three main social medias that I put out for anybody that mm-hmm. wants to watch my stuff. I also have a, a Twitter that's the same as my Instagram a name and I have sure. a Facebook stuff like that. But those are the main three pages. I promote a lot of my stuff on. Cool. Well, I'll put all those links in the uh, show notes and uh, just a few more just fun, random theme park questions. Uh, number one, what is your favorite park to go to as a guest? Disney World, as a guest, I feel like the quality is is untouched as far as a guest perspective goes. I mean, <laughs> as a as a performer too, as a performer too. Okay. If you okay. if you know, as a performer too, obviously the 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 the, the quality of the costumes, the quality of the backstage, the employee uh-huh. area, it's top notch. It really, really is. Um, but the on stage, the the technology that goes into the stuff they do is is unbelievable. Um, mm-hmm. the, the 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 parades, the I mean Disney is so about quality. It's a cult. It's like it's <laughs> yes, it's, it is yeah. Um, I, and I mean, for anybody you know listening to this, you know, obviously I I I, I broke one of the main character rules, and that is you don't say oh I was doing goofy or I was doing you say. Mm-hmm. I am friends with this character. And that is, that is very true. It's, it's, I was friends with Mr. Incredible and I was friends with this, but like I said, that's the mentality to keep mm-hmm. the magic alive. And sure. they're all just smiles and giggles, you know, and they're just, they're right. just happy to happy to serve you. And I mean, it's as a guest, it's a great experience. Uh, what's weird is when like, it's obvious that you've worked, you're working <laughs> yes. under or with someone who's yes. worked for Disney for a long time and they still have that voice and sort of laugh. Yes. Um, yes. But, uh, uh, so they, and they'll change their tune. If you tell them you work there, sometimes they'll talk to you like a normal person. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Sometimes they'll do that. Like, hi guys, how you doing? Hi. Uh, yeah. Is the, uh, log right over? Yes. Okay. This is where the log, right- by the way, I work here. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you just go right over there. It's right over there. Right I mean, over there, you douchebag. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> they'll, they'll talk to you like a lot different. They'll talk to you normal. Like a regular human, like being. a regular hu- person. Yes, exactly. So what is your favorite ride of all time? Of all time? I, I, Oh man. I mean, there's so many of them that I like for different reasons at Disney. I love, I love the, uh, the, the test track ride at Epcot. I love Soren. I love, um, the tower of terror. I love so many rides, but I do remember one that stuck out in me. And that was, um, it was a big ride at six flags. It was a huge roller coaster that went like 70 mi- 75 miles an hour. It was a really fast one. 
And Which Six Flags? The one in Texas is the one I'm okay. familiar with the most. Um, All right. I've been to the one here in, L- in, in California a few times. Me too. Uh, yeah. Uh, which now the roller coasters are just getting so humongous. And, and I love them. Oh yeah, they're great. But for some reason, my body can only, I, maybe my mind can only handle so much roller coasters. <laughs> After right. I used to be where I could ride eight to ten in one day, and I'd I would just feel a little bit kind of groggy now. After like a few of them, I don't know what it is. That's my because we're getting is, older. Dirt. That's got to be what getting it is. Older. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean. I don't, that's a tough question. I would have to think about what my favorite, well, at Disney, I love, and this is even a ride. I love the Carousel of Progress. It's kind of a ride, but it's not really a ride. Mm-hmm. It's more of a show. I love the All Carousel right. of Progress, Indiana Jones, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's either the roller coaster at Six Flags or the Carousel of Progress. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's kind of, I'm going to put those two at the top notch, even though okay. they're completely different. Hey, that's fine, man. Yeah. That's fine. There's no right or wrong answers. The Great Movie Ride is one of my favorites as well because it just—it's just a history of movies. I love that ride. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. It's at Hollywood Studios. Do you think, if the circumstances were right, that you would ever work at a theme park again? Ooh. Given, given right now my situation, my life, and how confident I am in my future projects. No, I would not go back to theme parks. Um, but I, it would be, a, if, if I needed to fall back on, man, if I needed to fall back on, like, let's say I was, let's say the circumstance was different. Let's say I was, I was, I didn't have a girlfriend that I've been dating for over five years. Let's say I did not have um, a project of uh, a franchise that I've been working for for five or six years. Let's say I didn't have the skills out here to do really anything, or let's say I just wanted to change. I would definitely try to go back to theme parks, but very possibly even overseas because mm-hmm. overseas, I mean, I loved the theme park in Orlando and the theme parks there. I loved the community backstage mm-hmm. with, I mean, there was some, there was drama, and sure. there was there was a lot of BS backstage with you know, but it was kind of like going to college. I mean, you just kind of everyone just kind of knew each other. Um, right. Everyone hung out, had parties together, and stuff. It was so mm-hmm. fun. And then when you went overseas, like Disneyland, Hong Kong, for example, that community was just so much more smaller, and the, we knew so much more about each other. The quality, like of that was your 10 friends you hung out with like every weekend and you got paid a lot more and you got paid quite a bit more, which definitely helps. <laughs> definitely. All so, right. Yeah. Last question. Uh, what is the legacy that you Dirk Ellis would like to leave at all these parks that you work at? So my, I, I didn't bring this up and this relates to what your question is. I, I, I forgot about this. Um, the first moment I ever really had in my life where I kind of felt like I was validated for how good of a job I was doing was mm-hmm. was six months after I'd been working for Disney World in Orlando. I was doing Baloo every day and I was just I was trying to kill it as best as I could. But I was it was it came natural. It wasn't I was trying to, it just I just I just had the energy and I was doing good sure. in the in the characters. I was getting ready for work one morning and I was talking to a manager and I told her something about I don't remember what we were talking about, but she says, well, Dirk, I want to let you know, I know you've not been here for very long, only six months, but I want you to know you've made a name with the managers already. We know who you are. You're doing really, really good. And we appreciate your work. And I was like, nice. Wow. That's, that's, that's just amazing. I, I, I loved hearing that because I'd never heard it before from any job I'd ever had. I never heard it. And finally I was doing a job that I actually liked, which was entertainment. 
And that, that meant a lot to me. That, that, that manager's name was Jennifer Maniger. And she told me that, and that really stuck with me a lot because I finally felt like I was, I was, I was being validated for what I was doing. And that was kind of what I wanted to, the impression I wanted to leave as well. I wanted to leave an impression is with Disney and with any theme park I worked at or any job really was, he's not only a really, really hard worker, but he doesn't complain and he's really fun to be around. That was kind of like my three things. I wanted to be a really hard worker, just be really fun to be around and just be remembered, you know, as like an example of just like, just be nice, enjoy your job, entertain the guest. And if you don't like it, okay, work on getting something different and work on moving towards the next job or next goal, because that job that you got, you signed up for, you signed up for it. So unless they're just treating you just horribly, 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 you know, just do what you can for right now, hold off and something better will come. Just work towards it. You know, it's well said, man. Thank you. Well said. Well, uh, Dirk, it's been great catching up with you. Steven Honeycutt. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you, sir. man. Well, Thank you for coming and sharing your journey on Theme Park Legends. Anytime. Big thanks to Dirk for taking the time to talk to us about his journey. Uh, if you've joined me for past episodes, I think we've seen a pattern emerging. The guests with positive attitudes and a good work ethic seem to go pretty far in the theme park world. And I think if we can learn anything from Dirk, it's that many people talk about doing stuff, but few people actually put it into action. Just something to think about. And that's going to do it for this episode. And if you dig what we do here, then please tell your friends. If you've ever worked in a theme park, I'd love to have you on this show. And don't forget to join me next time as I continue to unearth even more theme park legends. Thanks for listening to the Theme Park Legends podcast. Make sure you retrieve all belongings while exiting the car. Should you forget anything or have any questions or comments, make sure you reach out to us on social media. And remember, have a legendary day. Ah!